Hello, it's Natalia Lloyd and welcome to my podcast, Beehive Household. As part of my interior design business, my first chat with my clients is a deep dive into their lifestyle and daily routines to be able to understand how they use their homes. And this is where the idea for this podcast came from. So subscribe and listen to find out about the daily routines of my extraordinary guests, their mindset, their choice of interiors, but most importantly, how their life at home sustains their success and much, much more. My guest on this episode is Avery Mitchell, who has dedicated his life and career to executive protection and secure travel assignments for celebrities, corporate executives, high net worth individuals and dignitaries around the world. Because of non-disclosure agreements, unfortunately, their names can't be disclosed. For Avery's clients, when they need to travel abroad for whatever reason, Avery is the person who looks after the travel and on-the-ground arrangements to ensure they are protected, then they don't lose their face and they are secure. Avery Mitchell has been an active member of ATAB, the Anti-Terrorism Accreditation Board, since 2004 and holds multiple designations including the Certified Master Anti-Terrorism Specialist and Certified Master Executive Protection Specialist. He sits on the board as co-chair of ATAP's Executive Protection Committee and his Global Certification Program for Executive Protection. Avery has extensive experience teaching, training and working internationally in 45 countries, including many high-risk third world countries. He's also conducted numerous risk assessments and security audits for corporations around the world. I'm very excited to share a glimpse into the fascinating life of a person with such a huge range of experiences and a wealth of knowledge. Please welcome Avery Mitchell. It's absolute pleasure to have you on Beehive Household Podcast. I know it's been we were back and forth with the messages, trying to <laughs> set this up, trying to, to get me into your supervision schedule as well. But you've been super kind and accommodating and I do appreciate it straight away. I This is how I, you know, the, the first impression for me is like people that make time for me in their schedule. And that means the world to me, honestly, when, because you deal with different kinds of um I don't know, personalities, egos, you know, in, with this, within this podcast. But I always mark people that make extra effort to make themselves available. So I wanted to thank you for that. Um, that's, that's the first thing. Um, Avery, you've, um, you came as, I wouldn't even say highly recommended guest. I, I mean, I've, I've heard so many amazing things from our mutual friend, Michael Giuliano. And it's, it is my absolute pleasure and honor to actually be speaking to you in person. You have one life story and different life stories that you've touched <laughs> directly or indirectly, um, very much directly, I believe. Um, and I can't wait to dig into it, to find out about what you do, how you do it, about your mindset, but most importantly, how you function yourself. How do you take it all in how do you process it and basically just come back with the best possible you and right. succeed in your game so i wanted to uh, start with your childhood so you um you call yourself you the way you you speak about yourself you you say you were born a protector yes. so 
I am curious to find out, was there anything that triggered from your childhood that triggered this perception of yourself? Or how, how did it shape that belief? How did you see yourself to be or become a protector? I think since I was a child, I've always been someone that looked out for everybody else. If it was babysitting, if it was, can you watch your cousins? And I think a lot of it came from the nurturing that my grandmother gave me. She was very protective. Uh, she made sure that I was taken care of and safe. And I saw that nurturing that she gave me and I gave it to others. And when I got older, I just took that and branched out with it. And I was always looking after everyone. Like I'm the adult where if you come to a party, you're going to find me in a room and they're going to go, Avery's on the floor playing with the children and not in the room with all the adults because I want to have fun with them, but I want to make sure they're safe. So I'm going to be sitting there watching them to make sure they're okay. This is incredible. You're welcome to come to any of my parties. <laughs> this is awesome. This is fantastic. So you were raised by your grandma? Yes. I, I know I know you were um you were born and bred in New Jersey. Correct. Which is um could mean a bit of a a bit of an interesting upbringing, right? Um in terms of the environment that you coming from. I would say the environment in Newark, New Jersey is very similar to when I was in England and I was in Brixton and I was in the public housing projects. Uh, It was a, I was desensitized very early on because I saw my first shooting at seven years old. So I didn't need video games or anything to desensitize me to violence. I saw it very early. And that had a lot of impact in me traveling the world and um, going to third world countries and so forth, is that I was just very comfortable with violence. And it's a crazy dichotomy because as violent as I can be or go into those environments, I'm still the guy that you want at your party. I'm going to watch the children and make sure they're safe. (laughs) Bizarre, isn't it? There's two concepts that almost... It's totally two split personalities. Split personalities. You I turn the switch on when I have to, and then I turn it off completely when I have to. Okay. This is not easy to do. You know, seeing something like that violent when you're seven, it's, it's something people work through with therapy, later on in life that's what most likely for that to mean how what was your journey like in your mindset so obviously you turned that trauma into some sort of normality and how 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 do you do with this switch this is not easy it's funny when i went to college i studied sociology and criminal justice Mm -hmm. and i mired in psychology because i wanted to have an understanding of the things i saw growing up in a very violent inner city neighborhood And I call it self-therapy in that I worked through that it was, Natalia, it was the norm for my environment. My environment was a very violent environment. It was a very crime-ridden environment, but I had a very safe nucleus in my house. My grandmother made, my house was like Disneyland. It was everything I could ever want 
it was joy, it was happiness. You know, when I came home from school, I was great and I felt the most protected person in the world. But I knew when I went outside, it was a different environment. So when I got older and I started working in the protection field, mm-hmm. I understood my first course I took in executive protection. The teacher told me my job, I had four things to protect the client from intentional injury, to protect the client from accidental injury, to -hmm. protect the client's privacy, and to protect the client from public embarrassment. So I took those four things in and I kept them in my head. But the upbringing that I had had and the self-therapy of just working through it, and when I say it's the norm, it's not the norm for most people in mm. society, but for anyone that grows up in inner city America, that is the norm, Talia. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it shapes you. It creates a mindset. You see things that change you, but it can't make you a different person. And that's why I say the switch goes off, because when I get around children or I'm around my family, I've got to be that peaceful person. So when someone says, ooh, are you an alpha male? I don't like that term. Mm. When I go in dangerous environments, I take charge. I'm known for, for handling stress very well and handling violence very well. And I do it to the extreme. But when I leave that environment to be a regular person, you've got to turn the dial down all the way and just enjoy life. This is impressive. I can't, um, I, I can't even comprehend how strong of a mindset that is and how well in control you can be of your emotions. This is the, and the term split personality that you use because I'm speaking to you now and your voice, your presence is like literally the way you conduct yourself. I could meditate to the sound of your voice. And, but what you speak about, you know, at the same time, is very, you know, the rough reality that you grew up with. Um, so those two things co- almost create this, just like a conflict in my head is that like, oh my gosh, this is, um, you know, you're very soft-spoken. I would never see you in a, you know, that different environment right. where you just, so, so it's, it's interesting how much you can be in control of it. And it, it can be really useful for even, normal any any every everyday person you know any common person to actually have that strong control which we get back to it i'm very fascinated with how you how you function with your mindset so you mentioned the um the protection field obviously you got into and uh, just with what you mentioned now literally five minutes into the interview i can see how that became instant pretty much success so within the, uh, the the protection field. You work with very high net worth clients, with celebrities. You curate their events. You you're in charge of their protection. You're in charge of their safety. And you were also dubbed as survival scientist um, as part of that career of yours. Is t- tell tell me and the listeners a little bit more behind the science of that. How do you? How, how did you become to be called survival scientist? Uh, a gentleman who um, works in a protection field 
that has a very high profile, famous client mm-hmm. uh, once said to me that in my travels around the world, because celebrities hired me to go to dangerous places, third world countries, places that you wouldn't expect a celebrity to go to. Mm-hmm. And my specialty was a celebrity would make this statement, Italia. I want to shop where the normal people shop. And in most third world countries, the normal people shop in downtown markets and in flea markets. When you're a millionaire, you can't go to the normal market, Uh but they want to go to the normal market. So my statement was, give me an hour to go downtown to find out who's in charge of the neighborhood to get to meet law enforcement or the military was ever in charge of the area and create a safe environment and then come back and take that person to that environment. And once again, it's the calm thing you see with me and the negotiation skills that allowed me to speak very clearly to someone. But Natalia, that split personality also allows me, like when I'm in places like Brazil, to talk Mm. to a, 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 a a favela leader and say to him, I'm as violent as you are and I can take it to whatever level of violence you want to take it to and it won't bother me. I'll eat breakfast or dinner on you as you're laying down. And then I don't know why I'm laughing. (laughs) I don't know why I'm laughing. It's a bit of a nervous laugh, I think. (laughs) It's, it's, It's a nervous laugh and a person listening to me might be like, wow, you know, there's a lot of things going on in his head. And I think it is. I think there's definitely, in my studies of cell therapy, there's definitely some PTSD from growing up in the environment that I grew up in as a kid. You know, I carry some things with me. I call it in one of the blogs I wrote, stamping. When you see something and it stamps in your episodic memory, you're always going to play it back. So when I travel to places like Angola and Brazil, and Nigeria, and I was in those environments, Mm -hmm. I always went back to Newark, New Jersey. I always went back to that violent environment, Mm -hmm. and it prepared me mentally. It's like a swimmer getting ready for a meet. He goes into a zone, and he thinks about what he has to do. I zone out, and I become a different person, and I just see things differently. I know my job is to move my client from point A to point Z, not be seen, minimize danger. And if danger comes, to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Now, some people may be uncomfortable with what deal with it means. What does yeah. deal with yeah. it means? It means I will rise to the level of whatever I'm dealing with to get my client back to point A safely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's impressive. It's very impressive. And you, I know you wouldn't mention the people or your clients that you came to protect or who asked or sought your protection. Um, because obviously there's a non-disclosure agreement. There's, you know, so I, I probably wouldn't interrogate you because also you're very loyal. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even come close to professional interrogator. So (laughs) you like, I'll say say this. 
while I can't name all the artists that I work for because of the non-disclosure agreements, yeah, I will say this. I have worked with some of the biggest artists in the world. Mm-hmm. And the if I give hints, people can understand we once sold out Wembley Stadium three nights in a row with 90,000 fans. Okay. Right. Um, and we've never... In the last seven years, I've never done a show in Europe with less than 60,000 fans. Wow. And, and I, you know, I've been to Scotland and France and Germany and Argentina and Amsterdam and the UK many times. It's, you, you you've traveled, travel. you've traveled like in 40 plus countries, didn't you? 45 countries. 45 countries. Yes. And obviously you need to know all the ins and outs. You need to understand the mentality the, uh, of potential danger has got, I guess, has, has different nationalities, different mentalities, isn't it? And um, the advanced work for a celebrity traveling mm-hmm. or a high network person traveling to a foreign country, it starts way before protection, meaning yeah. I study the customs, I study the laws, uh, I study what you can do, what you can't do, what's inappropriate conduct, what can't you speak in Islamic countries, you know, what you can and can't do. Mm-hmm. Something as simple as when you go to Singapore, you can be caned for spitting on a sidewalk. Mm-hmm. So your client needs to know that. I see. So I, I study everything to make sure my client knows before he gets there what can get you in trouble, what can't. You know, we went to Abu Dhabi once. I'm like, there's no whistling at people. Yeah. There's no, yeah. there's no, there's no certain things you just can't do. The respect yes. you have to have for women always, but especially in certain countries. And I think a lot of people, what separates somebody from being a big, bulky, giant bodyguard mm-hmm. and me as a protection specialist, I always say this, a bodyguard is reactive a mm-hmm. protection specialist is proactive there's nothing wrong with having the giant bodyguard that scares people but you've got to have a thinker to get you back and forth you've got to someone who can handle your logistics handle the pressure and relate to everyone from the hotel manager general manager uh, concierge law enforcement city officials dignitary government workers and so forth. So it's a very pressure-filled job and profession, but if you can do it well, you're, you're highly compensated, but more importantly, you're respected for the job you do. This is incredible. And the amount of skills that you have to, to have in you is, is incredible because this is the... Uh, what you need to resonate as a person to become so powerful in the way to, you know, to curate all of those situations, to live through the scenarios, what can go wrong in each situation and have a backup, have a plan B, have a safety option for your client. Have you ever failed? No. Failure is when injury happens to your client or public embarrassment 
for a breach of their privacy and confidentiality. And in 20 years, mm-hmm. I proudly say I've been incident free. I haven't been perfect in everything I've done. I've made mistakes, but I haven't failed because in my job, while people say, oh, a failure is good in certain aspects of business, it is. But in my field, if I fail, a person can lose their life. So I'm not afforded failure. I'm afforded a mistake. But like you said, the plan B and the plan C, because I'm always thinking, what if? The what if the plan B has to come in, the plan C has to come in. Mm-hmm. But in my job, I'm not afforded failure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely true. And you obviously have to be, have to be an overthinker by nature. If this is what you do for a living, you have to, it has to come naturally to you. How does it impact your personal life as well? So you obviously had a, you have two beautiful daughters. How, because we are talking about, you know, the Beehive Household podcast is about how it impacts you and your life, how, how your family sustains um, you with the skill set that you have and the, with, the, with the work that you do? The, the thought of being a protector is always there. I would say that I was an overprotective parent. You were not. Because I, I was. You were. And it just it comes, from seeing, it comes from seeing the worst of everything. Yeah. And I'm not a pessimist. I'm very optimistic. That part of my grandmother lives in me that there's a better day every day. It's a shiny day every day. Yeah. It, it, the goals you want to achieve, you know, and things you want to do. But I'm very security conscious of everyone. Uh, I spent 41 years in martial arts and I teach, you know, uh, violence prevention to women for free, you know, for years because I wanted them to be safe. And I think because of the environment that I grew up in, I understand and I taught the mind of the predator. I understand how people think aggressively. Everyone didn't grow up like me. So I have to give a person who didn't grow up in that environment the mindset to survive. Mm -hmm. Why are you looking down at your cell phone when you're walking in a parking lot of a mall or store? You know, why are you not paying attention to somebody following you? Why are you getting out of your car and, and, and your intuition kicks in and tells you something wrong? And you just close the door and you drive off. There's nothing wrong with that. I do see the world Natalia differently because of the job that I did in the environment that I grew up in. The switch is turned off because if you didn't turn off, you burn out. Yeah. You terribly burn out in life. Yeah. And that, that side of me from my grandmother, I keep bringing her up. It never ends because my nephews and my nieces love me. They're like, uncle Avery is the best. He's the funniest. Because that's what I really do all the time. That's my relaxation is having fun with them, laughing with them, joking with them. You know, one of the things that Michael Giuliano is really teaching me, he's a great mentor and a good friend of mine, is that to see life as a process, as a system, and to learn to balance it out and put things in front of you and, and work through problems. And I'm learning that from him. 
as I get older, you know, and I, I spend a lot of time dedicated in the service field because my life was giving service to people right. to make sure they were safe. Um, so now I'm at a stage in my life where I'm more, I retired from protecting the famous celebrities mm-hmm. and I want to protect myself right? And, and, just, and just continue to grow and do other things. And it's not, people say, oh, you're reinventing yourself. I don't like that word because reinventing means the old you was no good. Right. The old me was great, but I'm evolving. It's an evolution of me to a different stage. But I'm always going to be a protector. Uh, I do alkaline cooking for people's health. And a friend of mine said to me one day, I had sent him meals that I made. He said, you protect people for 20 years to keep them safe. You send healthy food to people because you want them to eat right. He's like, you're always thinking about protecting another person. And when you brought up the part of my voice, you know, for years, people have said to me and my friends, I can just talk to you for hours and it makes me feel better. And I'm like, that's just me. I'm a person who can talk to you for hours. I'm a person that can console you, that can speak to you. But until there's a switch that I can turn on, where I can walk into a favela and be surrounded by 100 AK 47s and just not worry about it because that's the environment I grew up in. This is interesting. It's interesting. And there's quite a few questions that I have when coming from this comment. And obviously, you, you mentioned a little bit about you know, protecting everyone. So, who is out there protecting you? Hmm, that's a tough question. Uh, my daughters protect me. They are my solace. They are my comfort. They are my world. Uh, I spent a lifetime raising them in their 20s to make sure they're safe. But now they keep me safe. They look after me. Uh, like they were like, you took your, you took your minerals, you know, did you lay down? Did you usually eat? And I'm like, I'm not a child. Why are you talking to me like that way? Thank but you. I understand they're transferring to me what I gave them yeah. and they're awesome protectors. And it just brings me joy that they turned out okay and they're doing well. And I look at my nieces and my nephews and the impact I had on them. And I call it quotology. They were like, remember Gabe when you said, remember Gabe when you said, and I'm like, wow, you guys really remember all that stuff. And it means job well done, Uncle Avery. I did my job. Such a good example, isn't it? And now they're leading by your example. Yes, it's it's beautiful to see. They're the future. It's a beautiful thing to see. Absolutely. And I know with the, again, within the industry that you worked, you obviously been part of um, a lot of scenes and episodes and part of people's life that you have to stay loyal to who they are, what they do, how they function. And I think loyalty comes as a big part of your profession and your um, as a person by nature. So what does loyalty means to you and why is it 
so important, particularly in the entertainment business? When I got into the field 20 years ago, I'll never forget this. I was with a client and I met a gentleman named Kevin Lyles. He was the president of Def Jam Records. Mm -hmm. And now he runs the 300 Entertainment Group. And I was on the set of a video and me being an average size for a person, average weight, average height, not a giant guy like a bodyguard. I said, Kevin, I said, how do I be successful in this field? And he started naming some of the famous clients for Def Jam and those that have been in trouble or done things, you know, they shouldn't have done it, so forth. He said, Avery, let me explain something to you. He said, you want to be successful in this industry? I said, yes. He said, then be the keeper of secrets. Be the keeper of secrets. You're going to see everything. You're going to hear everything in a celebrity's life. Be the keeper of secrets and get a reputation for the person who's loyal and doesn't repeat what they see or they hear. And I've been around some of the most famous people in the world, and they know their private life is safe with me. No matter what I see, no matter what I hear, I hear it, but I didn't hear it. I see it, but I didn't see it. And I think that loyalty and that privacy and the keep being, I mean, I wrote an article on it. I really am known as the keeper of secrets. Yeah. I am going to keep the world of a famous person private. I think it goes with anyone, isn't it? However famous you are or just um, a person next door, when you know that there is a um, there is a loyalty in any relationship. Um, it's a very powerful thing, and I'm I'm sure um, I'm sure the energy, the, energy, the energy you give out is the energy you get. So mm-hmm. if you give out loyalty, you're going to get loyalty. Sometimes it's not met equally, but energy doesn't have to be given equally. Just to get a sense of it and yeah. a bond of loyalty is enough for me. I keep my circle very small. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of acquaintances, thousands of contacts, Mm -hmm. but a small circle of friends and definitely an even smaller circle of people in my inner circle that I let get into my brain. A very complicated brain, that split personality. Very, very complicated. <laughs> I can, I can o- already sense it from just from this conversation. Very complicated, but equally very interesting. Very interesting. And yeah, my moments. <laughs> oh, <laughs> who doesn't? Who doesn't? And with everything that you do, you're more than entitled and allowed to have your moments. And you mentioned, obviously, friends and small circle. Uh, You mentioned mentors as well. And I wonder, throughout your life, throughout your career, how important has it been throughout your career to have the mentors and who they were? I think everything in life is done by reading the roadmap of how to get there. When I was younger, I did the difficult way, which is you pound the wall 
and you try to bust through and get it done because you know everything. And I think your 20s is a, is a time of, I know everything. I'm smart. I'm, I'm intelligent. I can do everything. And as I got older, I just learned that mentorship is very important because where you want to go and what you want to be, there are people who have done it before you. And if you, I don't think you submit yourself. I think you take the best of people that you've been around and you apply it to yourself. My natural personality has always shown out, but I've taken the best of people that I admired, learned from them and applied it to my life. And it made me a better person. So I could sit back at aspects of my life and I know the mentor and I'll say, oh, that's so-and-so, that's so-and-so. I can see their personality shining through me. I even remember every conversation a person had with me. And so it comes through in aspects of my life, whether it's business, whether it's security, whether it's motivational, you know, speakers, anything that I can grab that helps me as a person. It could be a book I read where I've never met the author, but the information impacted me so much. It played a part in shaping my life. But yeah, the personal mentors in my life definitely, definitely, definitely helped me become the person that I am. And I think it's helping me to become the person that I'm evolving to be. So beautiful. With information that you learn as well, and this is how you self-educate and evolve and um, would you call, you called it self-therapy that you do as well. Um, and obviously there are mentors and for your work, all the learning of new cultures and the countries that you traveled with. I feel like you're very oversaturated with information, aren't you? It's that level of compartmentalization, that's the word, you know, that you have to really uh, put it in some sort of segments in, in your head to be just, this is what maybe the switch comes from, you know, it's just to pack the information into different and just reorganize it. Otherwise, it is, there's so much in you, Avery, that it, it just can just go like, oh my God, what, like, this is how I, how I would probably would have gone, oh my God, how do I deal with all of this information? all of these different, um, different advice and self, um, self-guidance and things. But you managed to work through it. And I wonder what routines you have as well on top of everything that you mentioned. I know you you um, very big on martial arts as well. Is that part of your mental strength? Does it help or does it help your physical um Fitness. It's, it's, it's beyond physical. It started the martial arts as a means of self-protection. Mm-hmm. But the meditation and the, and the exercise and the discipline, it helped shape me to be the person that I am. Uh, that compartmentalization you talked about, you're right, my mind is always running. Like I'm a person that goes to sleep very late because I'm always thinking. And the oh, field yes. I was in gives you 99 what ifs, what could go wrong, what could be, what's the next stage. And I keep going back to the mentorship of Michael. 
Michael is a systems person. He's a process person. So he helps me to slow down my thinking and put it in the proper system to balance it out because it can lead to burnout if you can't turn the switch off. Yeah. I don't think the switch ever goes off with me. Um, I think that I live life at a normal, normal speed. I enjoy life. Like I'm just that dichotomy of I can be in the most dangerous environments. I can be in the most violent environment. I can be in the most high profile environment and award show, the banquet or whatever. But then when I'm not doing that, Natalia, I'm a regular person who likes to be to myself and stay in the house and, and, and be with friends and, you know, every now and then. But I'm the person who will take charge in a third world country. But then I'm the person at the event that you're going to look at and say, hey, who's the quiet guy in the corner not talking about? We'll be observing, <laughs> observing everyone and analyzing. I'm the, watching. I'm watching everything. I'm exactly, watching everything. Exactly. And where's the safety exits are? And what if? What if? <laughs> I, had, uh, I had an executive protection assignment in my early 20s undercover yeah. in New York City in the fashion district. Right. So it was a buyer who had been threatened in Asia that she needed to buy certain merchandise and clothing. So they wanted me to protect her, but they didn't want people to know she had a protection specialist. So I had to, for, for three days, study the fashion industry, wow. study everything about merchandising and buying so I could go to meetings all day and pretend to be a junior buyer in training. Oh, wow. So I had to study fabrics and clothing and different things. So when I walked in, they brought me into the room as this is Avery Mitchell. He's a junior merchandise buyer in training. Wow. And so I went, I, went to, I went to meetings all day long from nine o'clock to four o'clock. And I made it to every meeting until the last meeting. And it's always funny when people were coming in the door, like you said, I'm always watching. I'm always looking. Yeah. So one lady said, what do you really do? I said, oh, I'm a junior buyer in training. She said, no, you're not. I said, no, I am. She says, listen to me. She said, we sit in these rooms all day long. And as merchandise buyers, people fly indoors left and right all day long. She said, but you watch that door every time it opens. She goes, I'm married to a lieutenant from the New York Police Department. And my husband watches the door every time it opens up. She goes, look at the rest of us. We have never looked at the door. Anybody can walk in. We don't care. She said, but you care about every time a single person walks through the door. So you're just like my husband. So she actually blown your cover. She blew my cover. That, that's like, if you want to call it a fail, that's the one fail. She didn't say anything. She tell anybody, but she's like, you're just like my husband. He watches the door all the time. I know who you are. I know what you're doing. You know nothing <laughs> about that. I see. How how did it end with the? It ended, ended well. The buyer was fine. I completed the assignment. Uh, she didn't say anything, but she was the only person who said to me that 
you know, you do more than just being a buyer because you're too observant. You're watching everything. Uh, I've always called it in my life, my personal life, and this, the words may not match up, Natalia, I've called it a healthy paranoia. And people say healthy. Yes, it's a healthy paranoia. I'm always thinking. I'm always watching because my life for 20 years has always been what if, Mm -hmm. what if, what if, worst case scenario, what if. Mm. Are you worried about your life? I know you're protecting your clients' lives. Have you ever been worried about your life? Uh, Not really. Uh, I've been through a lot of things. You know, it's things in my life, like I haven't discussed, like I've been shot before. You know, I've been cut before. You know, things have happened, but that was just part of the job. And and that's the way I took it. I think part of that growing up in that environment just made me like, oh, well, things happen. (laughs) Wow. Right. So that didn't create any fear in you. And I, I know you have a very interesting approach to dealing with fear fear to me is uh uh let me say this in the best way i think that people listening to your podcast understand Mm -hmm. i fear not being the best person i can be i feared not being the best father when i was married i feared not being the best husband I fear not being the best friend to my friends, but in doing the job that I do, no. I've honestly never worried about fear. Mm-hmm. Everyone has fear. So when someone says, oh, I don't, I'm fearless, that's impossible because that's built into you as a human being. It's a mechanism to help you survive. I do a very good job of managing fear because I process things so fast. So if something happens, I think really quickly, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? But I've already played in my mind a plan A, B, and C. I've thought about it the night before, or the day before, or the week before. And that what if mindset always makes me go, what's the worst thing that could happen? Um, but. When it comes to self-protection, I'm always in a situational awareness mindset of what's around me and what's near me. So mm-hmm. I'm very good at self-protection. But that self-protection is still giving because I only want to stay safe so I can keep others safe. That's interesting. You've also met some legendary people in your life apart from the celebrities that you can't talk about you met nelson mandela i've I've been blessed to meet you would ask me a question earlier about famous you know house guests and so forth yes i think i met two people in my life that have impacted me so much that that's an easy choice i personally met shook hands and talked with Nelson Mandela. And I spent hours with Tupac, you know, just talking about life and his, his dreams and mistakes he made. And I really got an insight 
and and once again, the protector, the things he shared with me that I've been offered book book offers uh, when they made his movie, they approached me about things we talked about. And my response was no, because the things he shared with me were personal. And I don't, I'll never forget when I said to him, he was talking to my ex-wife at the time, who was his cousin. I said, you need me to leave the room. He said, no. He said, because if Aisha brought you here, I know I can trust you. So you can ask me anything. And Natalia, I asked him a lot of questions. Things that was in the news, things that was on TV. And he honestly told me what happened. And he honestly explained to me the scenarios, the situations, and so forth. And I told him then, what he told me, I'll take to the grave. It'll never go in a book. It'll never go in a movie. But I thanked him for trusting me and sharing with me the things he said. What was your takeaway? How did that shape you? Apart from just uh, knowing there. Meeting Nelson Mandela was about sacrifice because it's a man who dedicated 27 years of his life mm. to a cell because of something that he believed in and a principle. And so I look at the hardship that he went through and the sacrifice that he went through and it just reminded me that no matter what I've been through in life, it's nothing compared to Nelson Mandela. It's nothing at all. Meeting Tupac, he was a Gemini, so that split personality thing came. I am Gemini. Yes, I'm a Leo, so it's oh. funny. <laughs> it's funny that the person that people saw in the media is not the person that I met, really? not the person that I talked to. And I've learned that with a lot of famous people in my life, that they're just regular people. Because what you do for a job or profession, it may make you high profile, it may put you in the limelight, and it puts you on TV and on stage and so forth. But I've had like three persons just say to me in private, like, Avery, I just want to be a regular person. Yeah. I just want to walk outside. I just want to go to the park, you know, and you trade that for fame. You give your life away. You give your privacy away. There is no more going to the supermarket when you're famous. And it's like it's like an animal cage in, the, in a building. You have all the perks to travel, the, the mansions, the houses, the cars. But I've seen celebrities just look out the window and say, I wish I could just walk outside like a regular person. So I've had very in-depth conversations with people to see the other side of fame. Mm. And sometimes it's a prison. I think it's 100% a prison in so many ways. In so many ways. And whilst it's, um, it's something, it's a bittersweet, isn't it? Something that yeah. potentially a lot of people growing up wanting as part of recognition of what they do because it's um it's it's a high level of that recognition when you um famous for the right reason let's put it this way because there are a lot of Absolutely. celebrities that choose to be famous but completely for the wrong reason um but when there is a talent and there is a message that you can change so many people's lives 
there is a sacrifice as well that a lot of people don't perhaps appreciate up until they get there. And you're right, it is a prison. It is a prison in many ways that um, simple things that out of reach or you do just a lot of a lot of change that um it's important to an extent to understand particularly i think for younger listeners of the podcast as well you know that um i think a lot of people seek for external validation of what they do rather than validate themselves with from within um and often is the wrong things that are being put on your goal list on your targets so i think it's it's very important for you to mention the person who's been with those celebrities of absolutely world-class level and to bring that point up i think it's um it's crucial um what should people know about the life of a celebrity that they wouldn't even think to ask about you reckon um that every celebrity that I've been with has always been concerned about presentation, image. There's a general caring for the fans. Um, but I think one thing you would hear from every single person that I've been around is they wish fans would learn to respect privacy, meaning that let's say we're at a restaurant and they're eating dinner let them eat dinner. You know, 20 people walk up and want to shake your hand. Most people don't want to shake hands when they're eating. Yeah. You know, and shake hands with another person and shake hands with another person. And I think as fans, and I'm speaking because I'm a fan of most people that I work with, I just didn't show it at the time I was working, that we think if I buy your movie ticket or I buy your concert ticket, that your time belongs to me. So when I want your autograph, I want it now. When I want to shake your hand, I want it now. When I want you to sign something for me, I want it now. Irregardless of what you're doing, like that may be the only time that person gets to eat that whole day when they're working, but you don't care. I want that time because I bought your ticket once. And I think we need to understand that Performing is a job, but they have a life or they try to have a life also. And what you see on television or in in film is not always who the person is. And I'm going to go back to my grandmother. It's why I could always work with famous people. My grandmother told me when I was a child, she said, look in the mirror. And you're going to see the most famous person you ever met. And I never forgot that. Bravo. Bravo to your granny. <laughs> I taught my children that. I taught my daughters, you are the most important person you know. You are the most famous person you know. So you can never be starstruck because you are it. God bless you with life. You are the most famous person you're ever going to meet. And that really shaped me. I admire a tremendous amount of people. And I've met people very famous who I just admired their work. And I admired everything they did. But I didn't get starstruck because I went back to my grandmother 
Look in the mirror, Avery. You're the most famous person you're ever going to meet. I mean, this is, this is just my round of applause to your granny, to this message, because this is so true. This is so true. There's a, there's a lot of um, looking up to someone culture in a bit of a um, fanatic way. And this is, I think, unhealthy. Looking right. up to someone for values, for guidance, for advice, for the um, example, learning from someone, this is different. When it's purely because of the celebrity status, this is, this is wrong. But there is a power in it. There is a, some sort of, yeah, infatuation in, in, in some, this sense of the word uh, that um, it's difficult when you are a celebrity. It's never going to happen. There will, there will never be considerate fans. I don't know, Avery, you know more about, <laughs> you've been observing the world, you know, probably a bit more meticulous than I have done. Um, I, I, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. I know. <laughs> Unfortunately. Unfortunately, yes. So you mentioned um, you mentioned alkaline um, diet, cuisine, um, and you call yourself alkaline chef. Is that how you pronounce it, alkaline? Yeah, I would say uh, for years I didn't eat correctly. You didn't. And it lit I didn't eat correctly, and it led to me being a diabetic. And uh, I met a gentleman named Isaiah Bowman. He's the grandson of Dr. Sadie, and he introduced me to alkaline cooking and a better way of eating and minerals and so forth. And I was blessed to say that it's been like two years that I'm I'm not diabetic. They'd never say you're not diabetic as a doctor, but I don't take any diabetic medication, no insulin, no pills or anything, uh, because I changed my way of eating. Uh, I don't do fast food. Uh, I don't eat junk food. You know, I'm not perfect in everything I do, but I really try to eat on an alkaline level for better what health. What does it mean? What, what is alkaline um, eating? Your, your body is either going to be alkaline or acidic. And it's based on your pH balance. And a lot of people eat acidic foods. That's why they get acid reflux. Because you're eating something that your stomach really doesn't want, the grease, the fats, and it comes back up in you. Mm -hmm. So the premise of Dr. Savior was that disease lives in an acidic body and that you try to eat on the most alkaline, non-acidic way that you can. You're never going to be perfect. No one is perfect. You know, when, especially when you eat out, you try to do the best thing you can. Like when I eat out, I will ask a waiter to make sure the cook knows not to add salt, to not to add certain greases in there. And if they can't do it, then I don't eat there. Really? I, I don't eat there. You know, I try to be very careful in what I'm eating because I want to eat to live and do the best I can. And for years, to perform at an optimal level, you need enough sleep. You need to eat right. 
And it's funny, you asked me earlier about the self-protection. I spent a lot of years, Natalia, not protecting myself well, protecting everybody else. And I paid a price for it. Um, a very heavy price. Uh, Health-wise, to make sure everyone else was safe and not taking care of me. And I think at this point in my life, I'm regrouping it, that evolution we talked about, mm-hmm. where I want to put me first and I want to achieve so many things. So when I leave this earth, I definitely have already made it a better place by the people I've impacted. But I want to stamp it and leave something for generations to come. I know that I had to leave one day, that I'm not here forever, but I want to have something that carries on. People always speak about generational wealth. Mm-hmm. Well, health is wealth. Generational wealth is giving the best to people. Now, if you want to give generational finance, that's something different. And I do want to achieve that. And that's why Michael is one of my mentors. But the wealth is generational wealth of knowledge, generational wealth of health. It's so many things to impact and be a better person. But that discovery comes from self now. At me looking in that mirror and taking care of me. So you're very insightful on that, that I didn't do a good job of taking care of me while I was taking care of everybody else. Um, but now I'm working on it more. <laughs> I like it. I like what I hear. I very much like it. I am. I do get very protective about all of my guests, to be quite honest. And now as you got to be my guest, I do worry about all of those things instantly. So hence all <laughs> the questions. I'm doing a better job of taking care of myself. I'm doing a much, much better job. I'm glad to hear that. What is on your list of achievements? You said there are things that you would like, still would like to achieve much more than you have done, which is already a lot. But what, what, is, what is there on your, anything you want to put out there to crystallize? In, in achievements, I'm probably going to shock people because like, I don't speak of professional achievements. Like for me, being a good father, being a good uncle, being a good brother, being a good friend, those are, are my greatest achievements from a business standpoint. You know, I'm working with Michael and my friend Alex, and we're starting a new thing, a monument agency with NFTs and music, and we're going into that space. So I'm looking to achieve there. Uh, I'm working with Michael to put out an alkaline cookbook, ebook as well as some products, alkaline ketchups and mails and so forth. So I'm looking at that space and I'm looking to achieve uh, financial success in certain areas of business. And like I said, Michael's pointing me in that direction. Right. uh, Because I gave so much of myself in service. And I think I'm going to stay as a service person. I'm always giving. I'm always protecting but I want to put a laser focus on me for right now and to achieve certain things. But in my life, I'm always going to go to the personal because 
what's going to come back. And I'm going to say it a million times. Your listeners are probably going to go, oh, my God, his grandmother. My grandmother was just <laughs> no, stressed. No, you're kidding me. This is the best. My, gra- my grandmother was stressing me to be the best person that I can be. So what I value is being the best person that I can be. And the professional things, people say, oh, you were a great martial artist. Or you were a great protector. Or you were a great... Anything that I did, I strive to be the best, but not to be over someone else, just to be the best me that I can be. And if I'm the best me that I can be, it's fine. Like, I don't have any any competition. Mm -hmm. People talk about books that inspire you. Like, when I read Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now, that it's about now. Life's about now. What you're living what you're doing now. So everything with me is now. I have a sign in my room that says, you get a chance. So people say, what is that? Every day I wake up, you get a chance. Your creator gave you a chance. You got to achieve. So every day I wake up, I'm thankful that I get a chance. And I look at life that way. No matter how I feel, no matter what difficulties I've gone through in my personal life, I get a chance every day. I woke up this morning. It's funny. At three o'clock in the morning, I'm washing dishes in the kitchen. Because you do. And then I went. Uh, I, this is my therapy. <laughs> washing nice. dishes, and then I went back and I laid down, and I was thinking about the podcast that new day, and I went to sleep, and then I woke up this morning. When I got your text, but my text woke me up to, I get a chance. I get a chance today. I get a chance at life. I get a chance to get it right. Whatever I didn't accomplish yesterday. And that could be a phone call to a person just to make them feel good that I didn't respond back to yesterday. So it's not a phony gratitude. I really am thankful every day I wake up that I get a chance to do it again. Oh, I'm very grateful to have guests like yourself. Absolutely. And I like your abundance mindset. You, you're absolutely right. There's, there's no competition. There's enough for everyone. You just have to be a better version of yourself. Just compete with yourself if you wish, but become better at whatever you decided to become better at. And this is what's powerful. And I, I completely agree with your granny on all the, everything that you mentioned. So it's absolutely, um, it's absolutely powerful and it's important to mention that. I, 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 I love it. I, I think it's, um, it's incredible how, and I'm not surprised because with your, the width, I know it was very, n- I wouldn't say it narrow, but ultimately your goal, your job was to protect. But you can you come to that task with so many different in-depth, you know, analysis, approaches, things that you had to do, um, mindsets that you get needed to get into. That I truly believe that now, once you've retired from that, you can be anything, anything you want. You went into alkaline eating, you're now writing the book. 
you're now spreading the word. You're making people aware. You're changing their lives. You're changing their diets. You make them healthier. You take blockchain and NFTs, and again, entertainment industry that you work so close with, boom, you're doing well there. And I, I do truly believe that this is, this is just for you coming from strength to, to strength because of the wealth of knowledge that you have in you. Um, and, and it's very different. And there's martial arts on top of everything else, you know, and that um, part of you that also thriving. So it's, it's those multi-talents that you have. Avery, that is so impressive, 100%. Well impressed. Thank you. And uh, I, I know that when it comes to, um, you, you know, you're very, you're very humble. You come across very humble and very normal, but with the level of complexity and personalities that you've dealt with. I mean, you've shut down airports before, right? Is that, is that true? For the no. for the shows or the or the seats, tell me, tell me what what was the biggest thing that you've done in that um, capacity as a protector? Uh, we, uh, I was with an entertainer in we were in South Africa, yeah. And the policy is that every person arriving must go to the public airport, and I explained to the police that he couldn't go through the public airport because it would be pandemonium and it would be too crazy, and. The statement was made to me, well, I'm sorry, unless he's the president, he has to go through the public airport. That's just a policy. So I opened my laptop and I showed them a video of him arriving uh, in a foreign country uh, like around four years earlier. And I showed the riot that happened to the airport. So I said, are you prepared for this? And they looked at it. I said, how many officers are you going to have that day to keep him safe? And they watched the video that I had set up already of the riot in the airport. And they said, oh, my God. They said, well, what do you what do you need? What do you need? I said, I'd like to hire some officers to use from your department. And he said, fine. And I said, I'd like to stage our vehicles close to the airport, not across the street where cars park at. So he said, fine. Uh, when he gave me permission to hire officers, what he didn't know that I was going to hire K-9 officers oh. and I was going to shut down half the airport by putting police officers with K-9 dogs in the airport and then I was going to stage the vehicles Natalia, on the sidewalk what? of the airport. So when he, when he came downstairs at night he was like, what is this? What is this? You have the vehicles on the sidewalk and I said, but you told me I could park close to the airport. He said, I didn't say on the sidewalk. I said, but you didn't say don't park on the sidewalk. So, <laughs> and he said, why do you have dogs in the airport? I'm like, they're police dogs. They're your dogs. And he said, but why are they in the airport? I said, people have a tendency not to walk in the airport in the area where you have four or five dogs lined up. And he said, who told you you could do that? I said, you did. You said, I could hire officers. He said, but I never said you could have dogs in the airport. I said, once again, but you didn't say I couldn't. <sighs> so I literally shut down half of a public terminal in the airport. For oh, the wow. To wow. I, I can see also how it's, it's really hard to win the argument with you. 
Well, I thank God that I had my laptop ready with the video because yeah. I expected, once again, scenario B, what if, if he says no, what can I do? And I had the video ready. Incredible, incredible. Do you get to hear no often? Uh, yeah, you hear no uh, pretty often. As but in, then you... I, I'll rephrase that. The no that you would take it as a no and wouldn't would not have thought through um, oh, they, 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 how they, to they, turn they, it into I, yes. <laughs> in my in my job, there is no except no. You know, <laughs> the thing is no. There is how can we make it work? Like once I, I flew into a country uh, in Europe and and they were like, oh, your client has to come off the plane for customs to check him. And I was like, he doesn't want to get off the plane. They was like, well, you have to, he has to get off the plane. I was like, well, he doesn't want it off. And they were like, listen, and you'll kind of figure out some of the countries. He was like, listen, only the queen can stay on the damn plane. He's got to get off. And I'm like, well, if he gets off the plane, there's a chance one of your workers may take a picture. And the picture may stir his, his privacy. I was like, what do you want? I'm like, can I have like 20 minutes? Will you put all your employees out the airport? And they were like, what? I'm like, put all your employees out the airport for like 20 minutes. Put them on break. Just tell them they got to leave. And he agreed to it. And for 20 minutes, he asked like eight, nine workers to leave the airport. So I knew there was nobody inside. So I could bring the client into the airport private and confidentially. Wow. So powerful. And there are other times where I just like, no, you got to go on a plane check. And they're like, we don't do that. I'm like, well, you got to do it with him. And they're like, no. Then I go, hey, how about a deal? What if I bring you half the plane off and you go on a plane check the other half? And they're like, what? I'm like, I'll bring half off. I'll give you something if you give me something. Yeah. And they're like, okay, we, you can do that. If you bring half off, we'll go on a plane. I'm like, great. There's always a middle ground, a negotiation point to get to. You just got to think through it. The law of reciprocity, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. That's so powerful. Right. Well, let me get on to some blitz questions. Because they, um, my five questions that I usually wrap up the interview with, they give okay. um, very interesting insight into... Um, quite unusual ones it's my opportunity to ask random questions that you would not probably would have been asked before so and you mentioned briefly about this one but top book recommendation that changed your mindset um i think if you're gonna talk about shaping my life number one i said eckhart toll and the power of now mm -hmm just emphasizing the now in life. Um, Don Miguel Ruiz and the ancient Toltec wisdom of the four agreements. Right. You know, be impeccable with your word is always stuck with me. And you're not always going to keep it every single time, but I try my best to be impeccable with my word. Uh, don't take anything personal. He said, that's a hard one, you know, mm. but... In my job, it goes back to the no you just talked about. I don't take it personal if you say no. Mm -hmm. I just figure out how we can work around it. Um, so Eckhart Tolle, Power of Now, 
Don Miguel Ruiz, uh, the four agreements. Uh, from a business standpoint, uh, Napoleon Hill and the Law of Success is always right. going to be, it's an old book, 1928, but still, uh, it's, it's the foundation of Law of Attraction and a million things that came from it. But that's the original origin. Um, and I think, I think last book, uh, Colin Powell's Leadership Book, Secret Success, was a, a impactful book for me. So I would say those are some of the main books that touch me. Those are really great books. What's, what would t make you take things personally? It was there, is there anything that comes as an example that you would take personally? You would take, it, it, will, it can hurt you. I am, I am very caught up, and you used the word earlier. I don't want to say failure, but I strive to be the best at what I do. And have a reputation for 100%. 100%. Uh, overthinker mm -hmm. is definitely there. Uh, because the mind is always racing on what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if. And I think that it can consume you sometimes. Oh, and I, I'm, work, I'm working through it to become better at dealing with it. Um, but yeah, that definitely happens. What are the tips? Um, breathe. I'm, I'm just learning to breathe. Um, I took a picture of my backyard the other day and put it on my Instagram page. Mm -hmm. Just to highlight, I went outside and sat down on a Sunday just to look at the leaves and just breathe and enjoy life. And I really, I haven't thought about all the dangerous places I've been and all the things that could have happened or could have went wrong because I just enjoy life. I really enjoy life. Present in the moment. Mm. Eckhart Tolle is the power of now. Now is all you got. Mm. And as we are on the books subject, you mentioned the book that you want to publish about alkaline eating. I want to do a book on alkaline eating. And eventually I want to do a book on just my life, but the challenges of life the things I've gone through, the things I've been through. Um, I, I want to help people to understand that no matter where you come from, no matter what economic environment you grow up in, no matter what your circumstances are, like I don't hide. I grew up as a child on public assistance. I grew up on a child in the inner city. I grew up as a child... Uh, who never wanted for anything because my grandmother gave me everything I needed in a supportive mm -hmm. environment. But I went to college, I graduated, but I've been to 45 countries. You know, I've met dignitaries, I've met heads of state, and I raised two wonderful daughters. I think you can achieve anything you can be. It's a speech, you can achieve anything, you can be anything you want to be. It's true. It's just like before I ever had a passport and went to 45 countries, my grandmother may believe that I could be that or believe that I could do that or go to that. So when I finally did it, I had already saw it. So now in taking care of self 
I want to see the future again. I want to visualize what I want to accomplish and achieve. And I want to do it more for myself, but still be in service to people. Your grandma would, would have been so proud of you. Sure I, think, I think about it all the time. I hear a voice in my head when I do something. She's like, Avery, would I have let you do that? Or would I have done that? And I'm like, oh, wow, straighten up. <laughs> your, your garden angel. I don't know if you've Absolutely, heard. absolutely. Mm, beautiful. What would you call your, your, the book about your life? Ooh. There you go. We're brainstorming straight away, you know, to make it useful for you. <laughs> um, it would be titled The Art of Giving. I've given all of me to every person I protected, to every person I've been a friend to, to every person that I cared about. I, I give all of me. I give the best of me. Sometimes the best of me can be overwhelming as a Leo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, of course. Yeah. Powerful. Yes. I, I, I really do. I give my all. And when I care, I care. Mm. And I think the, the art of giving comes now that the art of giving to yourself. Correct. The stage that you're in now. So it's, it's a true art. I like, I like it. I like it. I like that title. Very powerful. I'm looking forward to be reading it one day. <laughs> That's exciting. Next crazy question. Household tasks you'd like to outsource. What do you do around your house and you, what would you like to outsource? You know, the funny thing is I'm so private. Like I live in the country. I'm away from everything. Oh, man. What is your house is like? What, what, what's your house like a little bit just for the, I know how private you are, and, but what, what is your um, um, I'm not a television. Like? I'm not a television person. Uh, I have my phone and my laptop. Uh, a lot of the laying down, contemplating, just thinking. I try to relax now as, you know, part of that self-protection. Um, I'm always answering a text or answering my phone when friends reach out, you know, what's going on in your life, what's happening. Um, and just, man, I'm always doing something. I'm just like, I'm busy. Like I can't sit still. Right. Um, but I couldn't nothing, answer that question right now. Nothing to outsource. You're happy to do it all yourself. Cleaning, washing, I don't, I don't like, gardening. Like, I don't like people in my space. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very honest answer. There you go. Are you an introvert by any chance? Now, um, converted yes. introvert. I'm, a, I'm an introvert who becomes an extrovert when the situation calls for it. So I'm a total Leo take charge when I have to be, but when I'm not doing that, he's the guy in the room playing with the children in the other room or just quiet at the event, always watching, always listening. Um, 
But I'm an introvert, like I said, who's ready to take charge at any time if I have to. Amazing. Very powerful. Favorite meal of the day and why? Man. Ooh, that's a tough question. <laughs> you love food. You're obviously with alcohol. I know. I'm, I'm just trying to think. Like, so I don't do the current wheat that's in the supermarket. Like, I do original grain, which is kamut. Oh, I, I see which I see how you're thinking, which I also want to know what exactly that with your alkaline menu. I actually I'm actually very curious to know what what goes into every meal. But is it breakfast, lunch or dinner that it's a it's a smoothie for breakfast to get my antioxidants in. So that's going to be strawberry, blueberry and raspberry uh, with a banana with mm -hmm. some hemp seeds and some spring water. Or I put the hemp seeds in water in a blender and make my own hemp milk. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and, I, and I'll do that. If I really want to get some strength for a workout, then I'll put an avocado in that smoothie. Mm -hmm. If I'm still hungry after that, there'll be some steel cut oats with some blueberries. Right. Uh, for salad, um, for lunch, it'll be a salad. And that'll be my spring mix and my onions and my peppers and, and so forth with grapeseed oil. Uh, the ideal meal, and it's funny, I used to love more than life itself macaroni and cheese as a child. Oh. But I don't, I don't do dairy. So what I do is I take Brazil nuts and I put Brazil nuts in the blender. And if you put spring water, Brazil nuts, an onion powder and some grapeseed oil and you put it in a blender, you can blend it into a cheese. Oh. And then I have Kamut elbow macaroni, Kamut pasta, natural okay. grain wheat. And if yeah. you add enough water, the Brazil cheese becomes very runny and I can pour it over the elbow macaroni and put it in the oven and make alkaline macaroni and cheese. Oh, that made me hungry. It sounds <laughs> sounds delicious, but it's a, so much effort as well. It takes around uh, 30, 40 minutes to an hour, or I'll take some oyster mushrooms and I'll put chickpea flour or amaranth flour on them. And then I'll put them in the air fryer and cook them like chicken or shrimp or fish and, and eat that. I mean, it's an alternative, but, and then my replacement for high fructose corn syrup is agave nectar. So anything I want sweet, I just put agave into it and it gives me that natural flavor. Like when I do the ebook and I talk to Michael about doing products, like with ketchup, I just take six plum tomatoes. I put them in a blender with some water, some olive oil, spring water, excuse me, olive oil or grapeseed oil some onion powder, you blend it up. When you blend it up, it becomes a very transparent tomato sauce, but then you take it, you pour it in a pot, and then you stir it and cook for like 15 minutes, and your very light tomato sauce will turn dark red and look like ketchup. And you can either have your tomato sauce or your ketchup, depending on how you do it. If I put 
agave nectar into it, it's going to be ketchup. Mm-hmm. You know, or if I don't, it's tomato sauce. But once again, it's a healthy paste for me, and it's the exact color of ketchup or tomato sauce. I bet Michael would appreciate that as well as a, with it, his Italian roots. New, new, new yeah, Michael, so we talked about the original. I had original Italian food growing up in Newark my whole life, so I know what it's like, you know, and I, I miss it. And honestly, alkaline cooking for me was everything that I ate bad that I missed. I tried to create that because I'm a person who, if somebody says, oh, this is very healthy, but it's nasty, I'm not going to eat it. They say, but it's not, it doesn't taste good, but it's healthy. Uh, that's not for me. I'm going to satisfy my taste buds. So I got to create something that tastes good, like the things I can't eat more. And I try to create that. Well, I, I know what you're doing all day. You just, it's, it's a cooking thing. It's the whole process. This is the art that you... Um, you with it's actually, it's, it's the therapy. Like it's something I enjoy. It's something I do. And it's the one time where I don't think about a million what ifs. <laughs> What if it's not tasty? That's the only <laughs> what if you can think about. Correct, correct. I don't think about violence or crime or <laughs> you got to be safe or look out for this and what if this happens. When I'm cooking, it's just about enjoyment. And I, I like to see other people enjoy my food. Like, it, it's good. Incredible. And the fact that you've uh, not officially, not medically officially, but cured your diabetes well i don't it doesn't bother me if a doctor says oh you're diabetic but at this time your numbers are so low that you don't need the medication so for me that's good enough (laughs) absolutely absolutely top choice for a famous house guest and it can be current or historic figure Wow, I met Nelson Mandela, so that's one. Um, I don't think I'll meet anybody as famous as Nelson Mandela. Oh, God, yes. Yes. It's a, he's, he's a powerful man for sure. How long was your um, interaction with him? Was it like a proper evening or was it just exchange of a couple of words? No, it was, it was like around an hour at an event oh, wow. that we were at. And I got to meet him, shake his hand, take a picture with him, talk to him. And it was very powerful. You know, it was after we had left the apartheid museum, um, we saw him. And it just, it just had an impact on me. It just reminded me of what sacrifice was. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. And I, I bet there's so many subjects, so many di- dimensions that that conversation could have led to. Definitely. Your dream house and location. Again, coming back to Beehive household, are you living in your dream house and location or is there a place on earth that you see yourself relocating to or maybe potentially dreaming of? When I was in... Oh, dream I definitely got to get it in the next five years. Uh, I've been so many places. Like I loved the cathedrals and the churches. The cathedrals, cathedrals and churches and the artwork in Germany and some of the older 
building was mm-hmm. beautiful. I loved it. Um, I loved the carefree attitude in Amsterdam. Everybody <laughs> was just relaxed. And I'm not talking about the barrel water. <laughs> people were just relaxed. And like, they didn't care about anything. Like people were just, uh, life's enjoyable. You know, it was a different mindset. Where it was like, maybe everybody was high. I don't know. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. people weren't really worried about everything. Um, I definitely enjoyed Paris when I was there. Um, what do you like about I just, Paris? I did. I, I love Paris. But I think for me, anything in hot weather, Okay. I love. Um, my ideal house is Georgia spoils you in that I, I love acres. I love land. You know, I've been to castles in Scotland and Ireland and just to see grass and just and be so, you know, the UK and, and Ireland and Scotland, I had never seen a castle before. And, the, okay. and to, 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 to go to a castle and like your house is like a mile from the front gate. <laughs> you know? So it's like, <laughs> yeah. I, I want something like that where I can see you a couple minutes away. And, <sighs> and that's just part of me. I'm really a loner. Like I've spent my life around people all the time. But I'm really a loner, an introvert. I'm that shy kid from Newark, New Jersey, who stays to herself, who enjoyed time with his grandmother. But I got introduced to a world when I went outside that shaped me. And I adapted to it. And I became comfortable in it. And it doesn't bother me to be in it. But it's tiring. Mm-hmm. So. The real me just likes to have fun. Look at the sky. When my daughters were young, I used to always say, look at out in the backyard, look at the stars, look at nature, and just envision yourself as a part of it. And I've lived half my life so far. And now I want to do that again. I want to get back to my childhood. I want to see life as what it is, enjoy every day, and just achieve. How interesting. How interesting. Well, and Nelson Mandela's words, it always seems impossible until it's done. Correct. So I think the... The fact that you're going to succeed in what you put your mindset onto, I have no doubt personally. And this is our first conversation. I think it's fascinating how your mind works, how your brain works, how your personality functions. I found it very insightful and very interesting because this your world is completely new to me in so many ways. And... It was interesting to get a little bit under, you know, in, into your head and try to um, to see how actually, you know, the mastermind behind everything, behind those great events is for something that 
may look so going so well and seamless, how much hard work one person had to put in to make that happen. Um, and with a 100% success record, it's incredibly, incredibly impressive. Avery, I am so grateful to have had this conversation with you. It's my absolute pleasure to have you on the Beehive Household podcast. And thank you for having me on Beehive. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Any, any, um, uh, for the, for the listeners, where can, um, the listeners find you? How was the best way to connect with you? Um, uh, they can, they can reach me on my Instagram page, which is I am Avery Mitchell. Yep. I'll, um, I'll put it into the, um, notes to the podcast as well as a link. And the, uh, new, thing that me and Michael and Alex Fahmy have started is the Monument Agency. And that's for NFTs and music. And that's on Instagram and Twitter. Monument M O N U M E M I C Minting. M I N T Mint. Right, Mint. Monument Agency. And that's on Instagram and Twitter. Um and those are the best ways to reach me. Amazing. You're also on LinkedIn. Is that one of the options? Yes, I'm on LinkedIn also. Avery Mitchell's on LinkedIn. Amazing. I'll put all of those resources into the um, into the podcast notes. All will be available for the listeners to get in touch. And um, if if they have any more questions left, any final words for the for the listeners as, um, of the Beehive Household podcast? Um, just achieve. Be the best you can be live in the now enjoy every moment and make a positive impact in life impact somebody's life uh just make the world a better place impact is everything thank you so much avery thank you Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beehive Household Podcast. Please don't forget to like, leave your review and share with your friends and family. For more information on the design services we offer, visit our website www.natalialloydinteriors.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook under Natalia Lloyd Interiors as well as on LinkedIn. Bye now till the next episode. Look after yourselves and your loved ones.